and welcome to another episode of Ideaprov. I'm your host, Mike Patterson. And today I have with me a very, uh, very special guest that we worked with, uh, or that I worked with back in the day, and his name's Francisco. Very sharp, astute mind that I thought would be wonderful to bring on the show, and we have a really, um, a really nice topic that I think will be uh, very impactful in this day and age. But first I want to give Francisco the floor to kind of talk with him a little about it, introduce himself, and then uh, we'll get into the rest after that. Francisco, how are you? What you, what you up to? I mean, uh, that was a heck of an introduction, so I now have a whole lot to live up to. So I'm gonna try to sound sharp and astute. Um, so uh, yeah, Francisco, uh, I had the pleasure of working with you in a previous company. Um, I'm, I'm, I love this medium, I love podcasts. I love what you're doing, Mike. I, that, that should be said every day. Um, and I, I love how it started. Uh, all the way back to the greenhouse and like all the ideas that you've come up with um, uh, I, I love them so a huge credit to you for that um, I, I just love the idea that um, I think meetings and I told you this before I think meetings get cut short too quickly so I love the idea that you're creating a forum to have conversations that go the distance and you allow them to go so I'm, I'm really happy to be here wonderful um, it's it's kind of great that you mentioned that because I, I you know when you sent that to me earlier it was it was dead on you know a lot of conversations just end up kind of getting cut short and never get their their due I guess you could say they never get fully expanded upon for whatever reason um, so that was part of the intent was to just let people's brains just completely divulge all the information they have about a particular topic and see what comes out of it and see the value that people can bring and to have that energy bouncing back and forth between people I think is something that's uh, that's missing and hoping to capture that on a regular yeah. um, oh my god so, agreed and, and people I, I, pe- people I think um, benefit from just having this kind of outlet so thank you yeah absolutely so speaking of that I want to jump into your uh kind of your thoughts and things that have been, you know, kind of passionate, your, your little segment, your time to shine as far as what has been really kind of galvanizing your thought process. And, you know, it could be a business, could be um, just a, a way of living that you find that you want to share. Yeah, I'm, um, uh, honestly, I, I thought about this hard, a fair amount of time I got to the conclusion that the one thing that I kind of want to advocate for, and it's not an organization or a business, but it's more um, the idea of just assuming good intentions. I think it's so important now, regardless like of anything you believe in, just going into any conversation with good intentions is so critical for us to communicate better, to cut through tensions like that are not needed. So um, t- to me, I'm, I'm just... Um, you know, as I go through and I try to be myself in the corporate world and all that, I'm trying to make sure that I share the share the simple word that I think we should all have some good intentions. There's very little harm from that. So that's what I'm passionate about. Sounds ridiculous, but it is what it is. No, I don't think it's ridiculous at all because I think there's a lot of people that because our, our world is becoming oftentimes convoluted, I guess you could say, and extremely built on communication in regards of whether it's just direct, um, direct line of sight, 
whatever, um, or social media, it's challenging for people to not have their biases come across or um, something like that. One of the things that, as far as the episode is concerned, that I thought Francisco would be a good fit for was this concept of education versus experience, which I think kind of goes back to a long, you know, long-standing debate. And so when we're developing a career path, how do we normalize and talk about experience and networking versus a traditional degree? And I think a lot of people would say that the natural inclination for this was going to be Hey, if you're getting a high-level degree, right, if you're becoming a doctor, if you're becoming a lawyer, obviously the education piece is something that you're going to have to have, just period, right? Um, but with so many industries changing, not only because of COVID, but because of just the speed of technology and the rate that it's, that it's growing and expanding, a lot of industries aren't even created yet. And so how do we go to and create a, a massive, tell, tell, continue, continue to tell our kids to go to school, get an education, it's important. When by the time that they finish that education, the information that they have learned and the skills that they've learned could be potentially outdated. Yeah, um, I was, uh, maybe a year ago, I was reading a magazine and there, there was a full on article on, should we be telling our kids to still go to college or not? And, and, and to me, I, like uh, up until that moment, surprisingly, it wasn't a question. It was like, yeah, I mean, yeah, we're going to go to college. And I was like, well, no, wait a second. No, not necessarily. The, the, uh, my financial hat says the ROI might just not be there. Right? So, so then I think, I think uh, there's so, so many different factors. And, and even careers that require more education are seeing a shift towards um, uh, professionals that maybe don't have the full education that a doctor requires, but that can provide a certain level of advice and guidance and medical guidance. And then we also have more resources at our fingertips. So um, I think that, uh, I guess my personal opinion is that we're moving towards a world that values technical skills um, and or actual like hands-on skills, whatever they are. Um, so much so that we have... Um, allowed ourselves to forego the college or the degree part of it. And, and what I more worry about is the experience of college that you're missing out. So I, so I think from a, from a knowledge and, 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 um, and skills or not, I think each career path will have its own like uh, nuances or requirements that you have to meet or not. Um, but, but the college experience or the experience of having or getting to go to um, school after high school for some people is so formatted i can i tell you for me that that was the case right but from a career path standpoint i i i i'm, I'm gonna take a very harsh stance and say i don't know that it's necessary in careers that are high paying um high level of fulfillment um i i i mean in I'm, I'm hesitating a little because I'm thinking of the definition of success. And that's what I think this is where all leads to is, do I need a college degree to be successful? And I think the answer is you define success and then you figure out what the rules are or what you need to get there. 
Yeah, I, I think I think it's a good way because I think in this in this particular conversation you have to almost work backwards, right? Success is the end goal. Success is where you want to be, and success is going to be different for everybody. Some people want to make a bajillion dollars and you know go on that road. Other people say, hey, I want a one bedroom, you know, uh, shack on the beach, and I'm going to be happy for the rest of my life because I'm fishing every day, whatever the case is. Um, I think it's interesting that you brought up the point of experience um, in relation to the, uh, I guess, the post-secondary education, right? Because I've watched, you know, plenty of um, what you call, I guess, motivational speakers and people, and one of the interesting ones, as I'm sure many people have heard of, is uh, Gary Vaynerchuk, right? Um, and one of his famous ones is the rebuttal to the college experience is instead of going to college, take two, three months, go backpacking through Europe and you almost get the same experience. I've gone back and forth with this because I feel while to a certain extent it's good for what would be 18, 19 year olds to get out there and experience the world putting an 18 and 19 year old in that experience in potentially some unsavory situations in a hostel in the middle of, you know, Bangladesh or Romania or something like that might not be the greatest. Now, that's where you kind of earn your life skills. I, I get that. Um, but I do think that the college experience, you know, I had a traditional one. You go here, get your four years, you know, you live in your dorm and all that kind of stuff. It was valuable. I mean, to this day, I have a thread with about 10, 11 guys in it um, that we haven't all been in school for over a decade now that are just, just chopping it up, talking, talking smack about sports or life or whatever the case may be. And I found that extremely valuable that you build those friends. So I think you can do both. Um, but I'm, I'm unsure as to how that conversation works in a, in a career path environment, you know, because there's so many traditionalists on the other side of the interview table that's going to say, hey, what did you do after high school? And you say, hey, great, I, I, you know, I backpacked through whatever, or um, I spent a couple of you know, a couple of months in the Peace Corps or whatever the case may be, is that going to be looked upon the same way as somebody that went through high school, get the education, diploma, something like that? And to me, I think right now, I don't really see that. And I don't really see the value in necessarily doing it, but those people who are gonna be making the decisions on your career path in the future, I don't feel that they're making those things as valuable as we're making out, out to be. Yeah, I, I'm I'm 100% with you. And I think the question becomes, do you want to work for someone or for a company that doesn't value the fact that you went and got your experience backpacking through Europe, right? And and that's um, the, the premise that uh, the other, the, the employer holds the control I mean, in, in many ways, I get it because you have to get your experience, and I 100% agree with that. Um, but as you continue to pursue your path, you need to also give yourself so much, like enough worth, to know that you need to self-select into or out of the environment that you want to be in, right? And so, 
what's what's good now that wasn't maybe 10 years ago or maybe 20 years ago is that there are more companies where the where the people in hiring decisions have been the ones that went and backpacked or have been the ones that took an alternate path or didn't go to college right and so um if that is something that's going to be a determining factor in your i mean i'm, I'm being very idealistic but if we don't pursue that then we will never get that but you you need to be able to find where um where is it that you're going to be comfortable and you're going to be valued and the way you want to live your life is valued right the the same company that maybe doesn't or the same hiring manager that maybe doesn't value your backpacking experience through but by the way if it's technical skills forget your backpacking through europe if you're applying for a job in carpentry and you don't know how to like build a bench with wood then forget about it but but if the the job lends itself for your cultural expansion experience of backpacking or what whatever that is right whatever you decided to do in your post-secondary um life um if it's not valued the company that you're applying for that's probably not going to change two years from now when you're trying to take a month off to go do something else so so then you you need to start questioning these things right i, I think um the, the whole idea of education and, and, and um, versus experience i think boils down to what it is that you want to do with with your life and then do you need a college education to get there some people really want to be doctors unfortunately that's the reality today you need to go through that i want my doctors to have gone through that rigor you, you know what i mean so I, i i don't know i think there's there's something to be said for you also self-selecting the life that you want to lead and then finding companies that match your your attitude towards life right right um it's it's neat that you bring up the, the doctor portion of it because uh, one of my uncles is a doctor and, and one of the things that he's always uh kind of i guess aired on the fact is is that some of his best times were i guess he graduated from a doctor up here in the states and then he went down to the islands and practiced down there while it's not a third world country it's perceived by the doctoral communication because of you know water and utilities and whatever as a you know third world countries and virgin islands right so he goes down there and by doing so and doing that for i think three years he pretty much erased all of his doctoral debt and all that kind of stuff so in for those high skilled positions i can see hey the textbooks are great the tools and skills are great, you know, learning from the, the doctors, but in those far off locations, they might get a completely different vision of the doctoral field that they're in because of the lack of medicine or because of the lack of water, lack of healthcare, etc. that could then in turn prepare them for a life in medicine. Will it work in, the, in that particular situation? I don't know. I agree with you from the from the, the hands-on trade, right? If you're going to be a plumber, you need to work with as many plumbing things as you can. Um, but how does the, I guess, the general public, I guess, pivot their perception? Now, we can't tell people what to perceive, but pivot their perception when we hear people that go off and do these things. You know, because they're bringing an entirely different skill set that we wouldn't anticipate, but that doesn't mean it's any better or worse than 
I guess somebody that went through the traditional route, right? Yeah. Um, I, I think uh, it, it, this is the hard part, you're right. It's identifying the people that are willing to take a risk and then telling the stories, right? So somebody on a hiring position needs to be willing to take a risk. And so, and that's where, that, that is probably one of the fun, fundamental uh, systemic issues maybe where um, we, we need to be able to find ways. Here's a, here's a great concept. Um, what if there was somebody that whose, who this, whose role was to identify and match people that are willing to take risks with people that deserve a risk or deserve the chance, right? So um, I, I think that that'd be an interesting concept to explore. It, um, I'm not even thinking it's a business, but more like a some sort of um, organization or something and say like, listen, we have somebody that didn't go the route that a company expects, but we, I know we have a hiring manager here that looks for specifically people that went off the beaten path, that pursued a different route than what we call traditional, which I think is becoming less traditional. But um, but um, there, there's probably, I, I say that's a bigger challenge because it's really hard to find those people, especially in the contrived environment of an interview. I walk into an interview, the career path, I don't know if I'm sitting across the person that values 10 degrees or a person that values my backpacking, right? So, and, and I think that's, that doesn't happen in like, think of the dating world. You don't go into a date with the idea that you're gonna get married without finding out all the information that you need to know to see if it's a fit. So what, why do we do this within the in the employment world, right? Like why, why do we allow ourselves to go in and say, listen, I, I, uh, I, I, I hope you take risks because I'm, 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 I'm good to bet to be bet on. I really hope that you take risks, but I can't answer, I, I can't ask you that question because of this contrived environment of the interview. So um, to, to your point, I think, um, I think we need to work on mechanisms. We collectively need to work on mechanisms to identify the risk takers in, in hiring positions and the people that are, that, that who, who are, who, which, which is mostly everyone, right? That are worth you taking a risk on within the right environment. And, and you brought up a, a very good point. It is also based on context. The context in the islands is not the same as the context in Puerto Rico. It's the same as context in Florida, as I mean, New York, right? So um, there, there might be some spaces where um, school is the best path for what you want to accomplish because the general population has a certain level of education or has a certain expectation. So then and you need to be aware of, of that and say, is this the place I want to stay at? Do I want to move somewhere where that's maybe misvalued? Yeah, um, it's it all. It always kind of comes back to me because you brought up mechanisms, and I'm, I'm thinking of the hiring process at, at major companies, right? You know, the company. I don't want to say the companies that everybody wants to work for, but the companies that your parents tell you are going to be stable, right? So it's going to be the it's going to be the large company. It's going to be, you know, the company that can give you the four hundred one k and the parking spot. You know, you get on there, and your parents tell you you jump on with one of those. You know, you work your way up. You spend thirty thirty five years. You retire and you be happy, right? And I think that I know for me personally that concept and bubble bursted probably when I was about twenty twenty one, and I spent the next 
probably two or three years trying to put the pieces back together about you know everything that everybody had told me throughout you know my schooling was that was the correct path that I was supposed to go and that was what's gonna be it and I knew there'd be deviations but anyway um, and then you bring up the term of, of mechanism so I'm thinking the first thing that comes to mind in kind of rewriting the schedule or the, or the balance is I think there needs to be more of an emphasis on understanding the people and the way they think rather than just the experience or the piece of paper degree that they have, right? I think that's going to be far more indicative of how they're going to perform in that particular position. Yeah. Yeah, and, and you, you, you see companies that have redone their entire job description to focus more on attitude and approach to problem solving than they do about skill sets and, and degree, right? Um, we need more of that. We need we need more more um, transparency in what is expected of a role. I, I went very tactical to the job search process, but it, but it is where it starts, right? Is um, how can I know what this company stands for and what is valued in my career? Um, and, and all you always see is like education and maybe responsible for A, B, C, and D. But very, very few companies will tell you if you if you exhibit this kind of attitude, if you um, um, bring a diverse or a different kind of thought process to our equation, if you can change the way we think and not what thoughts are the output of that process, then we want you. But but that those are key things that from a from somebody looking for opportunities, I would go. Listen, I, I can explain to you how my backpacking helps me think differently than most people that you have in there. So, so I, I think there's there's mechanisms in the hiring process that can be altered and or looked at um, to, to, to enhance this matching. I see it as a matching, right? I need to find the right place that I wanna, and, may, and maybe <laughs> um, and like, like the, uh, I'm, I've been reading all the places you'll go for my daughter, so. Maybe this company, maybe the corporate world is just not for you, like the waiting place. You're, you're tired of waiting, so then you have to be you have to be able to self-select and say, no, my experience is worth this much, and I think I can take it and do X, Y, and C with it. I think that's a huge. I think it's a huge hurdle for a lot of. I guess you could say younger adults, younger professionals, because I think they do have that hunger. I think they do have that drive. I think they do have what they believe is the right experience to be able to set, I guess, the company that they're interviewing for, set them on fire and say, hey, listen, this is the direction that we need to go um, because of that rapid evolution of how these new companies are doing. I mean, you have to look at just in the age of COVID for the last past you know, five months or so, you've had companies rolling out delivery for food and you've had people you know, trying to complete, complete completely new marketing campaigns and stuff to be able to draw in draw in people and of course everybody's pushing out everything through social media left and right um, to try and get people in and so I looked at that you know in as a whole and I said for all of these more established seasoned companies how are they navigating this you know um, yeah they turn to their marketing teams and say hey give me X give me Y but if you're trying to coerce people to come in, especially create a new market, 
I would feel from a from a large scale company of that nature that I'm gonna want to go get a 19, 20 something year old that probably has no experience that wants to turn my entire company on top of its head to try something new. Is this gonna be for everybody? No. But do I think that it's gonna take those massive risks in order to make something happen? Yeah, it will. I just don't know how, for example, how, how, do, how would somebody mentally get over that hurdle to say, hey, this person has no experience in, in this particular realm. They haven't maybe gone to college or maybe their degree is in something that is completely irrelevant to what I'm talking about. But I see something in them that could change things. How do we get them from being quote unquote safe and going with the more seasoned candidate that's done this a hundred times in a couple of different markets and is maybe, you know, has more experience there to going with somebody who's actually going to break the mold? Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, that's that's a million dollar question, right? Um, and it's interesting because in, in most of the other sides of the business, you're moving towards data driven decisioning data-driven decisioning. I want more data. I want to understand behaviors better so I can predict the outcome of a given decision. But typically what happens is that ideas with less than ideal data are the ones that just um, flip an industry upside down. I, I doubt that there was a whole lot of data from the taxi companies on, hey, if I do a share, a ride share system, that's going to just revolutionize. No, somebody just went and did it. Somebody just figured it out. Probably, I don't know if it's a 19-year-old, but definitely somebody that had the mindset of like, I want to do things differently, went and flipped the model and, and just changed things. For the better or worse, we can we can get into that debate in a different situation, right? But um, but, but they changed things for the, for the better, right? So I think it's... Um, it, it's it's the idea that you, um, uh, companies need to have from within somebody that's willing to say data is important, um, but also like hiring the right people to challenge what the data would otherwise point us down, um, what direction the data would point us into. Um, we, we need to be hiring the right people, right? So so, but, but it has to be from within, and that's to your point. That's part of the problem. Creating that change in these companies is not always easy because. It's it's a risk. It's a it's a risk without data to back it up. That I need to hire people with less degrees or with different degrees, less relevant experience. Maybe that's right. Right, where to put it less relevant experience, but that can help me think different. And some companies don't do that until it's too late. Other companies happen to look into it, and then some companies that kind of foster innovation, um, they know that they can hire from other. From, from like a, a more diverse pool that doesn't necessarily fit the education mode. But but you as a job seeker, I truly believe that you can um, you can employ a little bit more time to spot those companies as you're looking. Like I, I truly believe that that is the case 90% of the time that you you, you get to the say, and, and I've seen it even in, in real life examples now in my, in, in my career where young up-and-comers with high degree of potential come in and then they say this is not for me i just i just don't want this is not what i want but they get to say that because they've proven that they can flip the model upside down and they say you know what i'm gonna self-select out of this um 
not everyone, and I think this is where it becomes very interesting. Not everyone has the financial backing to be able to make those decisions. Not everyone can just go. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna work here. I'm out. And that might be at the core of the of the gap or of the uh, supply and demand mismatch, maybe of companies that are willing to to hire people with different education and people that are willing to take to flip your company upside its head, even though they don't have relevant experience. Now, now, with that relevant experience, if if we dialed into let's say from a medium scale level, as far as the details are concerned, into that hiring process, right? The traditional one is you potentially apply for a job or somebody gets you in touch with a, with a recruiter and um, you, know, you set up a one-on-one for that initial, that initial interview. Should that be partially rewritten and say, hey, let's look at getting them in front of multiple people at one time so that way you get a wider variety of feedback about a potential candidate for a solve so that way you can look at let's say three to four people all looking at the or interviewing this candidate while it could be daunting but you could have somebody that says hey i don't think they have enough experience somebody says hey they don't have well they do have a, a diploma or a degree and that way those nuances within the hiring process or about that particular candidate can be explored further rather than having potentially only one person's insight to get to the next level. Um, yeah, I, I definitely think I'm, I'm very much all for my, um, any way in which we can um, overhaul the recruiting process. Like, I just think it's fundamentally just not great. Um, and the more contact a candidate can have with more people in that company, the better vetted that relationship will be. I think where I, where I, I, I question maybe a little bit the steps before that first interview, which is um, I, I honestly question companies' ability to um, be certain of what they're looking for and how that ties back to the company culture that they're trying to create. Um, and so I, I don't know that the process of like the first interview is necessarily at the root of maybe some breakage in the system. I think it's a little bit more around clarity of the, I, I think the recruiting process is always focused on hard skills and maybe soft skills, but attitude and culture might not be at the forefront or um, the people doing the hiring, and I can speak for myself where like in the, in the past, I've done interviews that maybe I wasn't applying the thought of, yeah, but is this person a fit for the culture? And my focus was more hard skills and soft skills. Is, is this a cultural fit? Because, because the, the willingness for you to, um, for you to bring in a person that has maybe not the, the best match of experience that you have on paper, that is a thing of culture. If there's a culture of tolerance and risk acceptance to bring somebody in that maybe is not a subject matter expert, but will help us think different, there's like a culture of tolerance of diverse thinking. There's a culture of um, risk tolerance and it's okay to fail um, that comes with that. Um, and there's also a, th- uh, a commitment to 
developing the hard and soft skills that this person might not have because they have not been in this job or have not. So I think while I'm all about that first interview being overhauled as part of the process, I think it starts a little bit before. I think, and I'm I'm very much about democratizing this exchange of information, much much like a dating app. Um, You get enough information for you to know if it's a match and we treat it as a match. Look, this this is what the company stands for. This is what the candidate stands for. Are we a match, right? And so I think after that, it, it shouldn't matter if it's one person or four people that you meet with in your first, um, um, in your first interview or the setting or anything like that. You should have built the uh, proper process to identify if this person meets your company culture or not. And and it also, I think, changes the dynamic of being rejected from a job, from just being rejected to being, this might not be the best for you either, which is a real thing. There was a book, um, Powerful, is by the former head of HR from Netflix. And she, she talks about how the function of HR and recruiting specifically, because I don't, I don't want to just throw all of HR into that. Recruiting is as much about p- building powerful teams that can connect with each other in the culture as it is about finding the right skill set in, in people. Right? And so from that perspective, the, the, the uh, downstream or the upstream process that leads to a job interview, I think is just as critical as that first interview. I think you hit the nail on the head when it comes to rewriting that process in the fact um, of what the company needs ahead of time, right? So oftentimes I think that the system of hiring people comes into this very archaic, these are my, my list of wants that I want from a job description. They have to have this education, they have to have this experience these soft skills, whatever, you bullet point it out, and then you just kind of pass thousands of people through this filter and the top five you actually interview. Half of those people that maybe never even got a second look could have been your ideal candidate and you never knew, right? And of course, the concept of, hey, let's interview a thousand people is unreasonable, right? However, I... I do think the concept of rewriting how we evaluate people, talent, and experience is going to have to change if we're going to normalize how we perceive the skills up to that point, right? Um, so just from a just from a high level, like changing that dynamic within from a hiring manager is where I guess I'm partially getting stuck is in the fact that I completely are on board with your point in the fact that from an interviewee's perspective, you want to find out that company that best works for you, right? But how do companies find those employees that either one they want to poach or whatever that don't have that skills? Is it hey, I need somebody that's completely on the opposite side skill set that's gonna come in and balance my team. How do you, how do you find that? Um, I almost think it's a, I don't wanna say a shot in the dark, but 
you have to find somebody with maybe the technical skills to be able to do the position and almost maybe come with a personality afterwards or maybe come with a personality first and then find a way to teach the role. Um, so I'm interested to kind of see your perspective on, on how that could, that could change from the employer side. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a very, very interesting point. Um, I, I, I don't know that I have a silver bullet answer, right? Because I, I don't. But um, what, what I have seen work is there, there is such a thing as self-awareness at the company level. A company that is self-aware of what they are and what they stand for. And we've both worked for a company that is very self-aware of what they stand for. Right? So um, uh, a company that's very self-aware of what they stand for, I think, has a higher likelihood of sourcing through their own employees. So my own employees know someone that fits this culture. And um, so, so I, I think... Um, I think companies maybe don't leverage that. There's always referral bonuses, but it's like, um, think of the concept of like, maybe instead of a one-time referral bonus, you are like you, you're referring somebody that delivers on our culture, gets you benefits on a recurring basis in some way. I'm not proposing a pyramid scheme, but I am saying like, maybe it's not just a one-time referral bonus. Maybe it is a, if the person results to be a fit, because that takes into account, that, that gives you a lot of accountability for you to bring somebody that you know into our company, into your company, right? Um, I think that's one. I think the other one is, if you know what your company's DNA is about, um, you also can start mining, um, by mining I mean interviewing your own employees to see how, how does somebody like you, where are you that I should find um, other talented people that maybe don't don't know that we stand for X, Y, and Z. How can I get more um, of that? And I also think that there's a fair amount to your point, and this is going to bring it full circle. I think there's also a, a way, like the connection to university. I remember it used to be so critical in my in my um, when I graduated um, college, where you had companies that came. To, to your university and there were people on, on the faculty that could speak to this person's attitude when nobody was looking. Not just the, the, this, this student's like A's and B's or C's, but also like um, what are they interested in when they're not in the, in the classroom? Um, there is no such institution for somebody that doesn't go to school, right? The, so, so then at that point then, that again is probably a gap in the in the system that maybe somebody needs can come in and solve. Say so like I, I think the recruiting world is is a bunch of companies that are well intentioned, looking for candidates to match them with comp with with other companies, but maybe they're not creating networks of um, of matches for different company cultures. I don't remember ever having a conversation about my company culture with a recruiter. And maybe the recruiter is waiting for that from hiring managers and we just don't connect the dots. But in absence of uh, institutions like the universities to pool everyone, then maybe there's there's a job for recruiters to, there's a gap there for a recruiting company to, to build something of a organization, right? That, 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 that gives you easy access to companies, to, to individuals that maybe match your, 
your company's culture? You've given me a lot to think about here, Mike. That's a very good question. Yeah, no, I think I think that one just, you know, when you started talking about in like universities, I think that part kind of, I don't wanna say it blew my mind, but that, that opened a few windows and doors in my brain, like immediately because, um, I remember my father was was one that he used to tell me when I was in um, in college. Hey, go see the career counselor. Go see you know a recruiter and kind of learn and get a feel about how they how they operate. And when you said, yeah, I remember maybe once or twice when I was in high school, there was a couple of uh, universities that came in the area that that wanted to recruit you. And I said, well, what if those companies, right? And you're talking about working with the universities. If they not only worked with the universities, but they worked with other programs, schools in the area that might give them a more diverse background of candidates to fill their role. So let's say you go to a university, maybe you might go to a local startup who might have, um, or not startup, uh, one of the incubators, right? So you have a lot of young people that might be able of different diverse backgrounds to be able to fill a potential void. Um, you could go to different meetups and stuff that you can find where you have people in different sectors or people that are trying to get into different areas of, of life. You can go to things like, I don't know, art showings, right? And you get into that scene or, or theater gatherings or just different walks of life where you're gonna have a different varied sense of people. And depending on how your company DNA is and the type of candidates you're looking for, those can be a breeding ground of new inventive thinkers that could add to your company in which you're gonna get a wide variety of solutions. And then to piggyback on, on the other on the other point that you had there too was the what'd you say, the, the company DNA and bringing in and sourcing through your employees. I think that is heavily underutilized um, in the aspect that that particular team or group of team members is going to know what they need on that team better than anybody else. Better than the hiring manager, better than um, the HR person, whoever that might be, that team is gonna say, hey, this is the type of skill set that we need, this is the type of personality that we need, um, and why couldn't we task those teams, now you could say it's, this is an additional work, right, uh, with saying, hey, reach out to people that you know and if they have these hard skills that we absolutely need them to have to be able to do the function, whether it's coding or whatever the case is, make sure that they have these, but as far as the personality, find somebody that's gonna be able to do the work with you, have a good time, contribute you know, to the most of their ability, and then also respectfully challenge and push us in a new way forward that we never had before. I would feel like that would be completely eye-opening and empowering from a team level, from an individual level, that the company is coming to you and saying, hey, we believe that you have the best eye for the next hire that we need. You know, and then not only that, the people, the individual, the employee is gonna have a vested interest into making that, making sure that, that next hire succeeds with the team. That's, that's right, Pro provided that the company DNA is that, is I wanna, I want a, a creative, inventive, different thinking. If the company DNA is not that, which is fine. Then, you, then, you, then your your employees should be subscribed to that DNA. Hey, listen, I don't I don't need you guys to um, have a whole lot of fun. I want you to give me eight to four, and then go home and no worry about work. 
and that's the DNA culture of the. That's the okay, perfect, perfect. Like as as long as we're, um, it's a handshake of equals between the employee and the employer. That's perfectly valid too, right? He's like, all right, that's what I want because I want my four to ten to be the life that I lead outside of this company. Now. And, and that's that's perfectly acceptable too, as long as they. It's it's self awareness, I think. Um, but yeah, no, and 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 maybe that's one of the big gaps of of not going through the college path or the college path maybe not being as valuable anymore is um the colleges as a feeder to a career path which i struggle philosophically if if we should even see it that way because there's a holistic education that comes with uh, going to college but um but but that is something that you miss out on that the, the flip side to, to answer your question i think companies are going to have to account for over time more and more is if people are not going to college how am i going to get the town that i'm looking for and what kind of other footprints am i going to have to start building do you think with that more companies are going to have to pivot their hiring process in the fact that they might have to ramp up their learning their i guess inclusion their ability to teach the skills necessary to fulfill that role I think so. I, th- I think so. You, you've, you've. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna mix cancel culture with, with this conversation and say, I think more and more individuals are gaining power over, um, over employers, such that if the employer, not not an individual in the employer, but the employer is found to be unethical, people start to like, pe- people do things like, I don't want to work for that company. I'm gonna walk out. And I'm gonna walk away, and I think that's happening more and more. Um, and there's pros and cons to it, but it's happening. So I think over time, companies that don't, um, that that maybe don't, are not clear in what they stand for, are gonna have to take a stance, or make adjustments to then source more people that will join them without being able to express what they stand for. And I, I. I I strongly believe that over time, and, and uh, the young generations are going to drive a lot of that. I'm, I'm, I strongly believe that. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm right on board with you because I, I feel like the, the, the generational piece is that more of the up and coming generation is going to look at companies, especially if they've been established for a significant amount of time, and say, "Do you fit me?" And if those companies don't, they're going to move on, right? Uh, and so I think a lot of established companies are going to have to find a way to pivot and say, hey, either I'm going to take somebody that's extremely inexperienced and try and teach them and build them and bring them in, or I'm going to have to change my culture that's going to force them to be more inclusive, force them and we're going to almost look for the personality fit first and then teach them the skills of how to do whatever it is after. Um, but, I'm, but I'm also unsure because I, I feel like the conceptual brick and mortar company is going to have some difficulty with the next generation because the next generation seems to be a little bit more I don't want to say self-centered I think that's a that's a rough word to use but I, I, I think that they want to feel more valued in the subject the content that they can bring to the table what the company might bring to that is that are they are they going to be receptive to it 
and 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 maybe the answer is not every company. So, and they're going to have to check themselves because because um, I, I, I get your point on self-centered. I see it as um, there's a higher sense and awareness of self-worth. Um, and so and so and, and I, I don't know that it's I think a lot of people spin it in a negative way. Um, I think it's so fundamentally different than the generations before where like I think for for me it was all about getting the getting the job and like going through the career path and all that. And part of it is you have to accept that there are some things that you're going to sacrifice of what you bring to the table in order to fit this mold, right? I think a lot of bigger companies are shifting already. Um, it just it takes longer for bigger companies to, to to shift that way. But I think younger generations have less tolerance of that because they didn't see it work before them necessarily you know what i mean like i can speak to my dad's experience and say my dad went through a long career he retired he like and he's comfortable he has his retirement plans and pensions and all this so i've seen it work so i'm okay with the sacrifice now until later but i don't know that i'm going to be able to tell my my son or my daughter hey listen this is what you should do i don't know that i want them to value themselves into i want my daughter to be a strong independent Individual, and I want my son to be the same way, and say, "No, I'm, I'm. I don't need. I shouldn't need to sacrifice myself, as long as I, as long as I'm bringing, delivering value for you." So I think we have a kind of a a role of shifting that to make sure that the next generations actually change companies um, that need changing. Because not every company needs changing. But yeah. Yeah, I, th- I think it's spot on because I think there are some companies that are going in the right direction, that have been progressing in the right direction, and I think some of them are realizing the things that we're talking about, that the times are shifting, that the way that they're gonna have to be able to interact with their consumers and the next generation, the next people that are gonna be spending money, are they're gonna have to make sure that maybe things are eco-friendly and sustainable, because that's the the trend, right? Um, People don't want the large, extravagant lives anymore. That That doesn't seem to be where things are going. Um, I think you hit it right on the head and I feel it necessary that self-centered wasn't the word. I think self-worth is is appropriate there because I think more people are, are viewing life as a journey of experiences and becoming less materialistic. And in doing so, they want more of their time to be spent on things that are positive and worth their time and energy. Yeah, it's, it's rubbed off on me. Like I, I am now making career decisions based on that same mentality, right? So, so I'm shifting, I'm allowing myself to be shifted and hopefully I help, I continue to help influence other people to uh, see that difference. Cause it's, it's easy to be offended by, by somebody's um, uh, uh, enhanced sense of self-worth, if, if that makes sense because my paradigm was so different. So it's easy for, for me to get offended, but you once you get over it, it's actually a really nice thing that everyone feels empowered to live their own life. That's actually a really, really good thing. Like, I, I don't know why we would ever be against it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know why either. And it seems like there's a lot of people that, you know, they kind of want to put people in a box. You know, like you do this, you do that. And, and I think more people are coming around the age, like I don't have to be one thing. Like I can be multiple things and I can be happy doing multiple things. And 
I don't appreciate you putting me in a box because I, I think people are finding more value in it, right? They're getting they're getting more out, out of life and and kind of going about their life in a different fashion. That's way more enriching, um, and just has more passion in it. I, I know it's, it's, it. It go, it boils down to passion, doesn't it? It boils down to just like having like uh, having the right to um, to to be public about what you're passionate about and that being okay. That's such a great thing. Like why why would we ever not encourage that with respect, with respectful mutual respect, right? If if, if you want to pursue um, the career of a finance person turned like e-commerce like me um which is more of a traditional career path that is also okay but but you don't have like that is a box that i've decided to put myself in in, in a way but like what what's so what's so wrong about everyone kind of doing their own thing i don't I don't get it i just i, 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 I don't know i think it, and of course there's, there's plenty of books and stuff out there but you know of course you have the mantra of people that are the the, the counterculture and the fact that society and let's say you know K through 12 schooling is pretty much all just a brainwash so that way we can regurgitate information and like your natural ways of working and being a productive member of society are squashed because they just kind of put you through this this churn mill of school for 18 years um, and then you come out and you're supposed to kind of figure out what your passion is and go do it meanwhile we squashed it for the last you know two decades that's exactly right that's exactly right <laughs> you know and then of course yeah there's some others that are like, you know, and I get it, you know, people need to know how to do basic skills, right? You need to know how to add, subtract, you know, um, basic science, that type of thing. But I think there's, I think people are starting to become a little bit more open-minded to the fact that we need not only specialists, but we also need generalists and we need people who can flip in between and we need people that can fill all the gaps in life. And it's not necessarily needed to have a cookie cutter thing where we just churn out individuals, but it's actually more beneficial to take our time and realize who fits in what role with what skill set to push us forward. And, 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 then, and then realizing that that is not static. What fits today might not be like the reality five years ago and the talent that you needed five years ago may not be what you need today and, and, and from a company standpoint and then from an individual standpoint right um it may be that your stint at a company's three years because you came in you did what you wanted to do and then your common goals are no longer common and and that's that's a perfectly thing for us to say listen let's shake hands we've delivered value together let's move on like it's it's like a band we've jammed we've we did gigs for three years I kind of want to go into a little bit more metal. You kind of want to go into a little bit more soft rock. That's cool too. That's perfectly fine. Um, we'll, we'll take digs at each other. You're having good fun, but then we can go our separate ways, and that's okay. We can still we can still jam every once in a while. Yes, that's that's so huge. That self awareness piece. That to realize that not everything is permanent, and things are going to fluctuate, and things are going to move, and people's desires are going to change. You know, not, I mean, it happens with relationships. It's going to happen with companies. It's going to happen with people. You know, there's there's giant lifestyle, there's different milestones in people's lives that will change their perception of how they go about their lives. Buying a home, having children, death of a family member, like these are big things that will kind of put people's life in perspective. 
So I think if people kind of take a step back and say, hey, listen, things are a lot more fluid and temporary than I perceive them to be. And, the, and more importantly than that, realizing that one, that's gonna happen, and two, that it's okay for it to happen and it, don't take it personally that it has happened, I think would do mountains of good for people's, you know, pushing forward. And, and that self-awareness, you don't get it. Um, exclusively in college or exclusively by avoiding college you just you just get it in life you just gain your self-awareness so I, I you know I think if, if we change the dynamic of the relationship between company and employee in, in that meaningful way to kind of uh, shake hands on aligned goals I think the conversation of degree or not becomes a little bit less important which is I think the the, the, the whole point of this of this idea prof right yeah that's 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 a perfect idea prof so to kind of close it up and to wrap it up you know i just want to hit a couple of highlights just to make sure that we didn't leave anything out right so you know when we're talking about we got to find our self-worth not only for the individual but then also for the company like realizing what that company dna is and figuring out a, a kind of a match um, kind of number two is defining kind of what that success looks like for both and kind of working backwards and see how they match and kind of line up. You know, hopefully we can find a new wave of thinkers that can incorporate more risk into the hiring process. So that could be more people in the interview room. That could be um, a different type of interview. Maybe it's outside of the office. Um, and then to be certain what the company is kind of looking for. So I think that can come back to it. Um, then we can also look at sourcing employees through the lens of the, through the employees, the team members, the people that would be actually on the team. So that way they have a vested interest and whatnot to get kind of in, get inspired to make that team hire, as well as the company trying to try out different venues to be able to hire people, not necessarily on a diploma or experience, but maybe on the correct fit that can do the job. So we're talking about universities, colleges, theaters, you know, just different places where people gather and kind of use those mediums as a way to bring people in that might have the right skill set and or temperament to be able to make it work. Did I miss anything else? No, that, that, that sounds like a great recap of a great conversation, Mike. Wonderful. All right, that was a great recap. Um, I think we've pretty much hit our time. I want to be respectful of, uh, of Francisco and his time. He's given us so much great just intellect, conversation, tips, everything like that. Um, uh, so I want to make sure to, to, you know, say an absolute huge thank you. I think the, our listeners are going to get a massive amount of, um, of value from this episode, whether you're coming directly out of college and you want to listen or you're more seasoned experience in your career path finding in that balance between the two and kind of being self-aware about how to approach it um, and normalize that conversation around experience versus a diploma is I think going to be super valuable. Um, so Francisco, thank you for your time. I really, really appreciate it. I, I don't know if this episode could have been any better. No, Mike, thank you. Thank you. I, I love doing this. Um, thank you very much for creating. Yeah, absolutely. So um, for all you listeners out there, um, stay tuned for the next idea of the week or invention of the week that should be coming up uh, shortly after the break. And then also you can always find us on IdeaProv 
idea.live and then all of our social handles at, at ideaprof. Hey everyone and welcome to another uh, Invention of the Week. What I wanted to kind of highlight this time was uh, an application that I found called ResistBot. So this is a free, well, I shouldn't, well, it's a free application, but messaging rates do apply in which you can text and communicate with your local and federal government officials. So we're talking senators, mayors, that type of thing. Um, and this is a way to kind of communicate how you want the things in your neighborhood and community to be conducted. Um, the things you agree with and disagree with. So as you can see from scrolling down, people are asking about representatives, asking about a Keep Families Together Act. And so you can reply via text and all the tabulations are, and they'll write a letter to your government official um, saying and kind of voicing your efforts. Um, this is kind of a neat tool so far. They have, I think, about 18 million letters that they've sent and about 6 million users, as you can kind of see there. And you can text all kinds of different things. So you can text about election to find out when your next election is. You can text about ID, about your voter registration card. So um, I want to encourage everybody to get out there and vote, first and foremost. But secondly, from an idea prop spin and twist, this got me to thinking. And I said, if we can do this via text messages, why could we not accelerate the process and really ramp things up and find a way to either vote or con vote on bills, laws, rules, and regulations for the community and from a federal level via text as well? Granted, there's a huge possibility for, for security infringement here. Um, I'm talking bots and all type of algorithms to be able to skew the results, and so that would have to be accounted for. But I think we also have some really smart people that can figure out a way to make this happen and make it a little bit easier for everybody to just vote <laughs> via their mobile phone. Um, so I want to kind of bring that to light. So you can reach it at resist.bot. Um, so go there, check it out. If it's for you, great. If it's not, just something as far as a new invention that I thought would uh, highlight some positivity and really get things going. So. Thank you for, for listening, and you can always reach us at, at IdeaProv on all the social handles or ideaprov.live is our homepage and website. Talk to you soon.